Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 35 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin tomorrow, Thursday, April 29th, Cleveland, Ohio. That's right, the NFL draft is here. All the months of preparation and hard work have finally culminated here with the NFL draft, and 35 happens to be the lucky number. 35 podcasts together. And uh, I'll tell you what, I've enjoyed bringing my passion to you each and every week. I'll tell you what, a lot of long, long nights. I I do have a full-time job outside of taking a look at the NFL draft, going through hours and hours of of game film, going through all of my notes as well, and and then studying the draft needs, studying draft boards, putting my own draft board together, and uh, ultimately culminating with this final mock draft before the NFL draft tomorrow. So uh, we will get into that first round mock draft and then we'll play by the numbers. And I'll explain that as we get into that, but essentially throwing out the teams, throwing out any team needs, really just looking at the number of players that'll come off the board in each round, see if we can predict that. And then also see if we can fill in the players in each of those rounds as well. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll come back and we'll actually revisit it and see just how well we did. See if see if I came as close as I'm hoping that I can in terms of some of those predictions based on historical numbers and 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 such. So we'll we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But I wanted to go ahead and bring that first uh, first round mock draft, my final first round mock draft to you. And here we go. Let's go ahead and just jump right into things. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, let's face it. They've been on on the clock for months. Urban Meyer in there. We know this pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence. 6'6", 220 pounds out of Clemson. Everybody knows what, what Trevor Lawrence has, has meant to the, 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 the Clemson program, what he's done over the last three years, both on and off the field. I think he'll represent that franchise well. Urban Meyer still has his work cut out for him to build that offense around Trevor Lawrence, but you've got a face of the franchise, Jacksonville. Enjoy it. Number two overall is going to be Zach Wilson out of BYU going to the Jets. I think this really uh, was solidified when Joe Douglas pulled the trigger, traded Sam Darnold to, to Carolina, and now look, you know, he's he's really married to this. This is his career-defining moment in New York. He's tied to Zach Wilson now, and, and you know how I feel about Zach Wilson if you've listened to my podcast. 6'3", 210 pounds, the junior, tremendous arm strength, the guy that he looks like a shortstop when he's out there playing quarterback. He has some Patrick Mahomes in him when you watch him play, and that's what makes it so exciting. And that's one of the things to where I think Patrick Holmes is kind of Mahomes is kind of stripped away the the belief that you know a quarterback that can be a gunslinger that's going to sit there and play a little bit of backyard ball can't really be harnessed into an NFL uh, system. Patrick Mahomes has broken that mold, and I think for guys like Zach Wilson now, it, it is possible. So you have the infectious personality of Robert Sala, a head coach. You bring in a quarterback like Zach Wilson. He's got the moxie. He's got the swagger out there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching him there with Gang Green. Uh, so Zach Wilson coming off the board number two. Now the draft starts to get interesting. San Francisco, they trade up to number three with Miami. They're sitting there at number 12. And look, I actually had them taking Trey Lance at number 12 before they traded up. Now this pick is between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. But I'm leaning towards Mac Jones this time. And honestly, the reason why is, you know, I actually had him going to Carolina at number eight. So I actually thought he was going to come off the board before Trey Lance anyway. But really the big reason is 
Kyle Shanahan needs a guy that, that can match wits with him. You know, I think that's why he and, and Kirk Cousins worked so well together and why he and Matt Ryan worked really well together there in, in Atlanta. And so that's the thing that, that I think is, is ultimately what's going to tip things into his favor. We know that Mac Jones has a, uh, a photographic memory and he just knows where to go with the football. And that's the thing that I think is he doesn't really rush things. He doesn't, uh, he takes what the defense gives him, but he just, he's, he knows where everybody's going to be and he knows where to put the football to lead his man, throw his receiver open and allow him to make plays. I ultimately think that Mac Jones is going to be the guy could the, the scouts and some of the other personnel in the building win out. Sure. There, there is a chance that, that, that Kyle Shanahan could take a step back and say, okay, we're going to go ahead and, and go with Trey Lance. But look, there's a there's a, a reason why Kyle Shanahan is thought so highly of you know in in the industry as one of the best offensive minds. He knows what he's doing. You give him his quarterback, you get Mac Jones, and then you get out of the way and allow him to do his thing. At number four, this is where again it gets interesting. You know, Mac uh, Matt Ryan, 36 years of age to start the season, but look, I think he has enough left in the tank. A lot of people are pointing to, well, Atlanta hasn't been winning games, but look, you know, there's a shoddy defense. Running game isn't all that great. Um, they need uh, to build around Matt Ryan. Give him some more weapons. Get a defense. Get a you know that, that can really get after the passer and also get a, a running game. Look, this is a guy that's missed just three games since 2008, and in, in uh, each of the last three seasons has had uh, you know top five passing yard seasons. Um, and look, you, you can sit there and point to his QBR uh, in 2020, which was 20th in the league, but he's just two years removed from having the league's fourth highest QBR at 108.1. Now the Falcons, they, they've already talked about you know potentially trading out of the number four pick, so I, I think that's why um, I feel confident that they're not on the market for a quarterback. They're not looking at Trey Lance or uh, Justin Fields. Um, why would you even entertain those thoughts if you were adamant on taking a quarterback? Just wouldn't happen. So the, the next thought is, you know, for for Atlanta, um, you know, they, they've got Julio Jones right now, and they're they're taking, you know, taking phone calls for Julio Jones. Why would you do that unless there's a plan behind that? And you're looking at Kyle Pitts, uh, a difference maker there for for Florida, and you saw what he meant to to Kyle Trask. And I, I just I keep going back to what Travis Kelsey has meant for Patrick Mahomes. You give Matt Ryan a guy like Kyle Pitts, his safety, you know, safety valve, his security blanket, a guy that's, you know, he's going to be able to find down the middle of the field, uh, underneath, down the sideline, in the red zone. The guy has, you know, nearly seven foot wingspan. Just put the ball anywhere near this guy and allow him to make plays. And look, you know, at a tight end, he's 6'6", 240 pounds. And, you know, you, you look at the guy, even the way that he's running, you know, he runs a 44640 it's still not quite as fast as Vernon Davis running that 438 in 2006 but I bring up Vernon Davis cuz he and and uh, Kellen Winslow Jr drafted number 6 overall so if Atlanta takes Kyle Pitts at number 4 they're making history and look Arthur Smith he's coming from Tennessee he loves u- utilizing that tight end Kyle Pitts is going to be the answer there number 5 this is another interesting pick because Zach Taylor, look, you know, you, you got Joe Burrow, and on the one hand, you want to try to recreate uh, lightning in a bottle with, with Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase, reunite the two. Look, you know, Jamar Chase over you know 1,400 yards and 20 touchdowns, pairing up with Joe Burrow during that magical national title run. But you got to protect Joe Burrow. 
tore his ACL and MCL against Washington. And look, that offensive line is not not 100% by any means, even with the addition of Riley Reef. Riley Reef is is probably a a one or two year rental at most. He's going to play right tackle this year, but he's not the long-term answer. Jonah Williams himself, the left tackle, you know, who, who they got a couple of years ago, um, 10th overall pick, he's battled injuries himself. You know, right knee cut a season short last year. Uh, he needs to to get, you know, stay healthy and be out on the on the field. Uh, I think Quentin Spain's likely going to play uh, left guard, but, you know, Billy Price, his uh, fifth-year option was declined by the team. So there are a lot of uncertainty, a lot of question marks there on that offensive line. You got to get Panay Sewell. You, you, you just have to. You know, especially when you've got an interior of the line that, that, that's been porous and you look at the guys who filled in for, for Jonah Williams giving up eight sacks um, on 1,105 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, and you flip that around in Panay Sewell in 2019, no sacks given up in 936 pass-blocking snaps. Um, to me, I, I think Panay Sewell reminds me a lot of, of Brandon Sheriff, the, the all-pro and, and Pro Bowl guard for, for Washington. He was drafted number five overall, and he was a tackle coming out of Iowa. Just the same body type and the physicality with which they play the mean streak. And so I could see Sewell moving inside to guard, right guard. And then when Riley Reef moves on, kicking him outside, although you may even want to keep him at guard. You know, you look at what they have in Washington with Sheriff, and I think Panay Sewell has that type of ceiling, uh, whether he does play tackle or guard you got to take care of joe burrow take care of your investment and then you can make some other picks you know receiver uh, defensive end after that at number six you got the dolphins and the dolphins look they need to get to us some some weapons and there's talk that they like kyle pitts a lot kyle pitts is not going to get to number six um there is some talk that maybe they like Jalen waddle more than jamar chase and and i know that you know he has that speed for days reminds you a lot of of tyreek hill but let's not mess around Jamar Chase, look, six foot two oh eight, um, you know, but he plays a lot bigger than his than uh, his size would suggest. Ran a four three eight forty at his pro day, forty one inch vertical leap, broad jump over eleven feet. Um, and look, you know, I just mentioned the numbers. You know, he also caught eighty four passes during that time with a twenty one point two yard per reception average. Um, this is a guy. He's physical, um, you know, difficult to bring down. Uh, excellent route runner, even though he wasn't quite the route runner as as uh, Justin Jefferson. But does a tremendous job with this release off the line. You know, has an array of, of releases, hand work to fight through press coverage, and uh, uses that body positioning to make sure that he's the only one to make a catch on the football. I like Jamar Chase being uh, the number one weapon there for Tua, and you put that in there. Now you've got Chase, and you've got Will Fuller, you've got Devontae Parker now as a number three, which I like that a lot more than being the number one option. And then you've got Preston Wilson. I'm sorry, Preston Williams. And uh, you've got a nice little receiving core there for Tua with Mike Gesicki at tight end. Lions at seven. Look, they lost all their receivers from a season ago. You know, they lost uh, Kenny Galladay and uh, and Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola, Mohamed Sanu. And yes, they did sign Ty- uh, Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. But these are guys you know that will play on the outside, but they don't really stretch the defense. This is where Jalen Waddle is going to go. 5'10", 182 pounds. Um, you know, look, he had... Um, also 21.1 yards per catch um, you know on his his catches this year 26 passes uh, hauled in had four touchdowns on the year uh, before he went down to injury two of those going over 80 yards 
And here's the thing, the determination with this kid, had that ankle injury that he sustained in the opening kickoff against Tennessee in October, made it back in time for the national title game. He wasn't 100%, but still he had the threat that you know, when he was out there. I like him to be that vertical threat there for Jared Goff and Detroit. Now, next next pick is, is really what's going to be interesting. I'm looking at Carolina, and uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport, uh, Bleacher Report uh, also came out with it as well. I think ESPN ran something on it. Where Carolina and New England are in early talks and laid the groundwork for a potential trade. I think the Patriots are coming up to get Justin Fields. I, I, I truly do. You know, they've got Cam Newton, but look, that experiment hasn't really worked out. Justin Fields, you don't need to rush him in by any means right now. See how Cam Newton does in 2021, and then Fields can take over the franchise in 2022, because uh, I believe Cam Newton's on, only on a one-year deal. Uh, but in order to do that, the Patriots have to move up into round one. So I think Carolina ends up trading back. So if Carolina trades back to 15, then you've got New England there at eight. They take Justin Fields at number nine, the Denver Broncos. And there's talk, well, they were going to take a quarterback. They don't really like Drew Locke. They end up drafting, I'm sorry, they end up trading for Teddy Bridgewater. So you've got Bridgewater and you've got Locke, and there's still talk, well, he might still get a quarterback. Come on, nonsense. They're not going to get a quarterback. I think what they need is that, that inside linebacker position addressed because Josie Jewell and Anthony Johnson are not under contract after this year, and you haven't really done anything in free agency to address that position. Micah Parsons, if he's there, get him. 6'3", 246. Now, this is a guy, freakish athlete, running in the four threes uh, at his pro day. This is a guy, he, he's known for being an edge rusher, uh, came to Penn State, and he's still learning to, to drop into coverage. But when you watch him play, he's a heat-sticking missile, flies all around to the football, and he was filling up stat sheets as a sophomore. 109 tackles, 14 going for loss, five sacks, five pass breakups, tied for fourth in the FBS with four forced fumbles. Yes, he has some of the character concerns, but you know, at the end of the day, I think that's going to check out. I think ultimately, at the you know, what makes sense, you put him in there with Vic Fangio, and you got him on the inside. You've got Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb on the outside. That's a, that's pretty dangerous. And could Denver trade back with the team? Yes, it's entirely possible, in which case, you know, all bets are off in terms of exactly what direction they go. I still think they could go inside backer. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa and uh, Zayvon Collins are two names to watch out for in Denver in the event they do trade back. Dallas sitting there at 10. All this talk about Kyle Pitts, come on, they're not going to sit there and over, uh, you know, overexpose themselves and try to tra trade all the way up, um, spend too much draft capital trying to get there to get them. You know, Tyron Smith isn't going to be around forever. We know the neck injury cut short uh, his season after just two games, seven consecutive Pro Bowls, uh, and missed out this, this last season. And look, 2020 was his fifth consecutive season where he's missed at least four games due to injury. Could this be where Rashawn Slater comes off the board? It's entirely possible, but look, Dallas has to go defense, 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 and more defense. And, and so I, I think really first things first, you know, uh, Jadobia Wuzier is gone, and really you need another lockdown corner to pair up with Trevon Diggs. Um, this could be J.C. Horn, but I'm, I'm leaning towards Patrick Sertan right now. 
JC Horn is my number one corner on the board, but I, I just have a feeling that Patrick Sertan, you team him with his former teammate there at Bama and, and Trevon Diggs, and it makes a ton of sense. Patrick Sertan, 6'2", 202, press corner. I think he struggles a little bit uh, in off coverage just with that, that the transitions and, and driving on the football a little bit, but press corner, you know, you put him out there on an island and allow him to get physical with somebody down the field, and he'll take him away. Giants at 11. If Micah Parsons is there, I think this is ultimately going to be the pick. You pair Parsons with with Blake Martinez, and you've got something going there on the defensive side of the football. Um, I, I think it might be too much of a, of a reach for Jeremiah Usukoromoa here, so the Giants could also trade back with a team that's looking for a quarterback. I think that's entirely possible. Um, but if they stay there, they could go offensive line. I think Rashawn Slater, you can play him anywhere on that line. You know, there are a lot of question marks. You've got Andrew Thomas, you've got Matt Pert, and Nate Solder. Um, you, you brought in Zach Fulton to play one guard position, but you know Will Hernandez and, and Shane Lemieux not getting it done. But I'll tell you what, if one of those top receivers is still on the board, and I think Devontae Smith is going to be sitting there, you got to take him. You have Kenny Galladay that you brought in. John Ross has really been a disappointment to this point. So if you get any production out of him, that's just kind of a luxury and a bonus. Um, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, um, look, they're solid receivers, um, but they're nothing spectacular. And then you've got Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram, you know, the tight end. Um, Those two guys, a ton of drops. They accounted for 16 drops between the two of them, and that's just not going to cut it for Daniel Jones. Devontae Smith catches everything thrown his way. Heisman Trophy winner. I think if he's sitting there... Dave Gettleman, his theory has always been you got to sit there and continue to improve. And if you can upgrade at a position with the best player available, you do it. If Devontae Smith is there, that'll be an upgrade over uh, the likes of Shepard and Tate, who have been productive in the NFL. But I think if you get Devontae Smith in there to pair with Kenny Galladay, you have to do it. Which then takes us to the Eagles at 12. And yes, if somehow Devontae Smith falls, that would be a great pick there. You get your receiver uh, because, look, they're decimated at the receiver position. Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Deshaun Jackson both let go. Uh, really some disappointments there. You know, Jalen Rager just didn't pan out from last year, battling injuries. The year before that, you had J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He's been a disappointment to this point. So receiver absolutely makes sense. I think they go receiver on day two, go after a guy like Rondale Moore. I think this is where they're going to go corner. And if you can get the number one corner in this draft, J.C. Horn, you take it. You know, 6'1", 205 out of South Carolina. You pair him with, with Darius Slay. Look, he's physical. I like him more than Patrick Sertan because I think he excels both as a press corner and in off coverage. And uh, he is a little handsy, but look, you know, this is a guy that's just going to take take your number one receiver away, and I like that a lot. Um, so then you have the Chargers sitting there at, at 13. And um, I, I mentioned... You know, with Carolina, if Carolina stays at eight, I think this is where that's where Rashawn Slater goes. But I know the Chargers have to love Rashawn Slater with that five position versatility. Uh, absolutely ridiculous with that, right? So you're looking at it, and they brought in Corey Lindsley, they brought in Matt Filer, and um, they've got Brian Bulaga, who's going to be playing the right tackle position. So could Slater play? You know, he can play either left tackle or left guard. Uh, but I think he's going to be a tackle. Look, he's 6'4", over 300 pounds, and you just put on the film and watch him just dominate Chase Young at times in 2019 in that matchup between the um, you know the two All-Americans, and you know, you're sold. You know, this is a guy who's very fluid. He understands angles. Um, you know, strong at the point of attack, but also a really good athlete. Ran a sub 540 at his pro day. 
this is a guy that uh, I think the Chargers, uh, you know, and, and Justin Herbert would love to have him protecting his blind side. Uh, at 14, you know, what's interesting is, is this could very easily be Christian Derisaw, but because, uh, you know, and I think the Chargers, if Rashawn Slater's off the board, takes Elijah Vera Tucker, because then they have a guy that also can play tackle or guard. But uh, ultimately with... Elijah Vera Tucker falling to the Vikings, this is where, where Vera Tucker is going to go. And here's the reason why. Yes, they've they've used two second round picks on, on Brian O'Neill and Ezra Cleveland in 2018 and 2020 respectively, and a first rounder on Garrett Bradbury in 2019 to shore up the center position. But look, Riley Reef was let go. You bring in Mason Cole, you know, that really doesn't move the needle. He'll be a backup to, uh, to Bradbury. And then you have Dakota Dozier that you re-signed at left guard, who just is, is pretty shaky, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Ezra Cleveland, is he going to be playing guard or is he going to end up moving outside to left tackle? That's really a big question because Rashad Hill isn't going to be the starter. He's not the answer there at left tackle. And Elijah Vera Tucker is going to give you some of that versatility. He looked pretty good for the most part at, at tackle, even with those shorter arms. Um, he lost the, the speed battle against a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, um, but a lot of guys in uh, college football did that. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a top five pick in next year's draft. Um, you know, so AVT was exposed a little bit in that game, um, you know, with the speed rush, but look, you know, this is a guy who is very fluid and look, he played on that offensive line at SC in 2019 with the 18th overall pick in the 2020 draft in Austin Jackson. And it was Elijah Vera Tucker, not Jackson, who was named USC's offensive lineman of the year. So ultimately that takes you to 15 where Carolina, I think will ultimately pick. And I'm looking at Christian Derisaw. I think that ultimately makes sense. You get possibly the best um, pass protector in the in the draft, best pure pass protector as a junior. Gave up to six pressures, didn't allow a sack. And uh, Carolina, look, they lost Russell Okung. You uh, use the franchise tag on on Taylor Moten. So if you can get Derisaw with Moten, you've got your bookends taking care of Sam Darnold. That makes a ton of sense. And look, I think Matt Rule wants to address. Uh, the trenches. He addressed the defensive line last year by taking Derek Brown and Yitro Gross Matos with his first two picks. I think he'd start doing that again this year with Derisaw. And look, if he stays at eight, then I think Rashawn Slater's the pick. Arizona at 16. It's an interesting one. Um, could they go, um, you know, Aziz Ojolari here? I think it's absolutely possible. You got Chandler Jones, who's under contract through next season, um, but they lost Hassan Reddick and. Uh, you know they, they still have uh, Devon Kennard on the board on the roster, and they have Marcus Golden. Um, but Ojolari would elevate their pass rush. Um, Patrick Peterson, you have to replace Patrick Peterson. And I know that they signed uh, Malcolm Butler to be a veteran presence, but you know, with Robert Alford and Butler on one-year deals, they need a long-term answer at corner. Caleb Farley sitting there, the 6-2-207 corner. And yes, I know that he had the non-contact ACL tear in 2017. Um, and he also has a herniated disc at L5 and had an S1 disc bulge as a result of deadlifting. It was a deadlifting accident. Had a microdiscectomy, and uh, ultimately, we know that the back injuries can linger more so than, than the, the ACL tear even. Um, but he's got a clear, clean uh, bill of health by his doctor, said that he should be ready to go by July. The big question is going to be, will his draft stock slide? And, you know, Jalen Smith... We know what happened there at Notre Dame. Could be a top 10 pick. Towards ACL, MCL, falls to 34. Miles Jack, 
you know, uh, another potential top 10 pick coming out of UCLA, tours meniscus in practice prior to the uh, 2015 season, um, surgery to repair the tendon, and then, you know, there's concern about the microfracture surgery all the way leading up to the draft. He slides to 36. So there are concerns about this back, even with him being cleared. Um, so doctors really, they're going to have to pay attention to those doctors. And look, it benefited uh, Jeffrey Simmons. He tore his ACL in December of 2018, uh, still ended up getting drafted 19 overall by Tennessee in round one of the 2019 draft. I think Farley, there are other teams like New Orleans. Uh, Bleacher Report was reporting that uh, New Orleans may want to trade up and get him. Farley's a, a tremendous athlete, ran a 42940 before his surgery, six interceptions, 19 pass breakups. He could be the number one corner in this draft. I have him actually as my number two, even with the injuries. Um, so I think I think if Arizona is comfortable with their with their doctor's decision on him, Farley's going to be the pick. Raiders at 17. This is one where again it could go in a number of directions. Uh, Max Crosby been a steal as a fourth round pick um, a couple of years ago, but the number four overall pick in the same draft, Cleveland Furl struggled. So it could be Quiddy Pay here. I think that's a legitimate shot. Um, but I, I think ultimately, and they could also take a tackle. You know, I think Tevin Jenkins, you could pencil him in, play that physical right tackle pairing with, with Colton Miller makes a lot of sense there as well. But look, they need a safety. You know, they also need a linebacker. So Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa easily could come off the board, but they need a safety to pair up with Jonathan Abrams. I'm looking at Trevon Merrick, the Jim Thorpe Award winner, 6'2", 202, the junior, six interceptions, 20 pass breakups, uh, while also racking over 100 tackles the last two seasons with the Horned Frogs. Mike Mayock loves guys that, that produce lots of production. You're going to get that out of Trevor Merrick. And if you have those two safeties on the back end of that defense, that really takes care of things, especially when you have to deal with Patrick Mahomes twice in the AFC West. Also, Justin Herbert as well. You have to start mentioning him in, when you're talking about some of those quarterbacks that are really up and coming there in the AFC. At 18, the Dolphins get their second pick in the round number one. And uh, I think this is where Jeremiah Wusukoromon is going to come off the board. And you're going to ask yourself, well, why would they take him when you have uh, you know, Jerome Baker and Bernardrick McKinney? You traded away Shaq Lawson for him. Wouldn't you go with Aziz Ojulari? I think there's a good chance that that could happen. But Wusukoromon is kind of the Swiss Army knife. He, he's one of those chess pieces that, that Brian Flores can kind of move all over the place. And, and look, 14 tackle, uh, I'm sorry, 142 tackles, 24 and a half for loss, seven sacks. Um, also broke up seven passes, forced five fumbles, recovered another four in his two years there with the Irish. I think JOK uh, would just be one of those players that Brian Flores could just have a lot of fun with because you can line them up pretty much everywhere. Washington at 19. A lot of people are talking about them taking a tackle here. They could potentially go receiver. Um, but I'm actually looking at that linebacker position because I think this is going to be really good value. I think there's depth at both of those other positions that they can go ahead and, and wait until rounds two and three to get a tackle and a receiver. I'm looking at linebacker. And the reason why I'm doing that is you know, Cole Holcomb, fifth round pick from last year, looks like a steal. Uh, you got John Bostic. Uh, who's in the last year of his deal at the mic. Ryan Anderson and Kevin Pierre-Lewis are both gone. So I think ultimately what's going to happen is um, you know, if JOK is still on the board, I think Ron Rivera gets his, his Shaq Thompson in Washington. Um, but ultimately I think they get another playmaker in Zayvon Collins. Um, you know, Benaric award winner, uh, 6'4", 260 pounds. And look, this was a guy that just was making plays all over the field. I, I think he's an impact player. He can blitz coming off the edge. Uh, 
tremendous range, sideline to sideline. Look, he bulked up to 271 pounds. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and the thing with, with Washington is you've got Chase Young and you've got Montez Sweat, but there's little depth behind them at the defensive end position. So you could always take Zayvon Collins and move him to defensive end, either to give them a spell or possibly, you know, if you want to run type of a, a NASCAR-type pass rush, you know, you could potentially do that four defensive ends. You move Zayvon Collins in there to end. Um, you know, that, that'd be interesting. He gives you a little bit of flexibility there. And look, four interceptions in 2020 really showed off that, you know, he can be more dynamic in coverage. And that walk-off pick six against Tulane to beat him in overtime took its 96 yards for a touchdown. That was, you know, one of the plays of the year in my eyes. So the Bears at 20. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, your jobs really are, are in jeopardy at this point. They need to make a splash. And I think what happens is the Bears trade up. You know, I was mentioning some of the other teams. I can't really predict where that's going to happen. Nobody's really talked exactly where Trey Lance is going to go. I think the Bears, you know, and look, maybe Trey Lance slides and they can actually sit there at 20 and still land Trey Lance. But I think the Bears will probably trade up and get him. Um, and you get a guy who, look, um, you know, threw 28 touchdowns without a single interception, also ran for 1,100 yards as a redshirt freshman, taking North Dakota State to a championship. Um, He's a guy that uh, has, you know, the big arm, um, tremendously athleticism, you know, athletic. The athleticism just jumps off when you watch him. Um, reminds you a lot of Josh Allen because of his big body, you know, and makes a lot of, of throws that, you know, you just guys aren't supposed to make, you know, that are that big on the move. Uh, but he's, he's a guy, he's still raw. He hasn't played a ton of games. Uh, only played one game in 2020 due to uh, COVID-19. I think you've got Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. They don't move the needle. They don't excite fans, um, but they're great bridge quarterbacks. And so I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. You need a quarterback. Go ahead and get Trey Lance. 21, the Colts. What's going to happen with the Colts here? Well, I think you know, you need a pass rush, but ultimately I think even bigger need than that. you got to take care of Carson Wentz. You traded to get him. Uh, he's your, your quarterback, and Anthony Costanzo's gone. Address that offensive tackle position. Samuel Cosme could also be the pick here, but I think it's ultimately going to be Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Look, they've got Quentin Nelson there on, on the at left guard. Um, you bring in Tevin Jenkins, let him play left tackle. The physicality on that side is just going to be absolutely ridiculous. If you saw that 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 zone outside zone play where he took Joseph Osai from Texas, worked him down the line, drove him five yards down the field, and then planted him along the sideline. Uh, that's really all you needed to know about him there. But then also uh, only gave up two sacks in his career, and those came in 2018. Um, this was a guy, he, he played right tackle primarily for Oklahoma State, but he actually started the 2020 season at left tackle and only moved back to the right side because of an injury. So moving on to, the t to Tennessee, this is a team that could also use a, a tackle potentially. I think if, if Tevin Jenkins is there, they're going to definitely think about it. They need to replace Jack Conklin finally. Um, so I, I think that would make a lot of sense. But ultimately, you got to replace Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. You brought in Josh Reynolds, but that's just not going to do it next to uh, uh, to AJ AJ Brown. Ultimately, I'm looking at Terrace Marshall at at LSU. Terrace Marshall Jr. He's 6'1", 200 pounds, junior. Uh, what I like about him is, you know, he was third fiddle behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson uh, at LSU. His uh, 
his sophomore season. Still caught 46 passes for 671 yards and 13 touchdowns. Became the, the guy there at LSU. Uh, another 10 touchdowns there, 48 catches, 731 yards. And really, you know, the quarterback play there was kind of up and down. He has the blend of size, speed, and athleticism that you're looking for. Matchup either on the outside or in the slot. You pair him with A.J. Brown. I like it a lot. Um, Jets at 23. They get their second pick in round number one. Could they go running back, possibly even a receiver or offensive line to take care of Zach Wilson? Absolutely. But I think the worst position right now for them is at corner. Uh, Bless Austin and Bryce Hall. They were decent players, but there's no depth behind them. You've got a bunch of undrafted free agents. Get a guy like Greg Newsom, a guy who I think excels both in man-to-man and especially in zone coverage. Ran a 4-3-8-40, 40-inch vertical leap as well at his pro day. 21 passes defended in three years with the Wildcats. I like that pick a lot. Um, Pittsburgh at 24. When you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you you think of their running game. You think of Franco Harris. You think of the bust, Jerome Bettis. You think of Le'Veon Bell. And uh, the Steelers now need a running back desperately. Um, you know, now that John, uh, James Conner is in Arizona, you've got Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland. It's just not going to move the needle. Um, when you think of big, powerful backs, guys that you can hand the ball off to and, hey, run out the clock, get us four yards of carry. Najee Harris is that name that comes to mind. 6'2", 230 pounds. A guy that's not only going to uh, run over you, shows off that contact balance, but he's got the speed to run by you, has really good feet. Um can jump over you like he did to Nick McLeod uh, when he played Notre Dame uh, and just excellent hands as well. Doke Walker Award winner finished fifth in the Heisman uh, voting over 1,400 yards on the ground in 2020, 26 touchdowns, with also with 43 receptions. Very adept in, in pass protection as well. Knows where he needs to be. Will come across the formation a lot of times to pick up the blitz. I think this is exactly what Ben Roethlisberger needs. Um, you know, and what ultimately could be his his swan song, but actually get a running back in there that can take some of the pressure off of him. I, I love that pick. It just it's tailor made for for the Steelers, a blue collar team. You get that running back that can get you you know a lot of those tough yards. Jacksonville has their second pick in round number one, sitting there at number twenty five. They got that from the Rams in the Jalen Ramsey trade, and I think they can go in a number of directions. They can go offensive line, right? I think that's a that's a possibility uh, with Cam Robinson under the franchise tag. Um, a lot of other directions. They could still go safety, although I think it's kind of a, a jam-packed group there. I was thinking defensive tackle, but when the Athletics Bob McGinn reported that several teams were concerned about Christian Barmore's resistance to coaching and structure at Alabama, I instantly thought Urban Meyer does not have him on their board. But I think he is going to like a guy in the Big Ten uh, playing defensive end and Quiddy Pay. 6'4, 272. You pair him up with Josh Allen. You know, Urban Meyer knows that you, if you build a winner, you got to be dominant up front. And Quiddy Pay is just that. You know, generated a pressure rate of 23% and 25 pressures in just four games, even though he only registered two sacks. A guy that can rush, rush the passer off the edge, he can rush the passer, collapse the pocket from within. Powerful hands. Um, also ran a, a hand time 4-5-2-40 at his, com, or at his pro day. So he's, he's exceptionally fast, bends really well. Um, I think Quiddy Pay, a lot of people were talking about him possibly in the upper half of the first round. I think 25 is probably the right value for him. Cleveland at 26, 
hey, they, they picked up Javion Clowney, so I don't think they're necessarily looking defensive end. I think in this in this case, they need to get a, an upgrade over Sione Takitaki at the SAM. I'm looking at Javon Davis, and I think he can absolutely be that guy. 6'4", 234, out of Kentucky. Uh, 102 tackles last year in just 10 games of action. Three interceptions as well. Ran a 4'4", 140 at his, at his pro day with a 42-inch vertical leap. Uh, tremendous athlete, very twitchy versatile can come downhill and blitz on one play and then get to the perimeter to drop a running back in, in space on the next um i just i think jamin davis is an ascending prospect the browns would love to land him there at number 26 overall ravens have two picks in round one i think they address a receiver first then they go after their pass rush after that and really what you're looking at that pass rush i'm sorry at the receiver position first Look, Lamar Jackson starved for weapons. You know, that passing game, which was worse in the league, uh, they actually went out and got Des Bryant, who hadn't actually played in the game since 2017. You got Marquise Brown. You brought in Sammy Watkins. um, Devin DuVernay showed promise in the slot. But Miles Boykin has kind of been a disappointment to this point. You know, I, I'm looking at the guys that are left, and Rashad Bateman just fits so well. He's 6'2", 210. Uh, people were worried about his top-end speed, but he ran a sub-4440 at the Exos Combine, so I don't think you're really worried about that. Big 10 wide receiver of the year in 2019, 60 receptions, over 1,200 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That's 23 point, uh, I'm sorry, 20.3 yards per catch as well as a sophomore there for the, the Golden Gophers. This is a guy that wins at the line of scrimmage, crisp route running to gain separation, a tremendous fighting through con- uh, contact to attack the football in the air. And you see that release on his slants. Guy's always getting open on a slant, which then makes it easy for him to set up his man on his double moves. So I love Rashad Bateman there to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson gets a weapon. And you're looking at the Saints there at 28. They could use a linebacker. You could see you know, potentially Nick Bolton come off the board here. But I think the Saints ultimately need to get a, another receiver uh, to help out Jameis Winston now that, that Drew Brees has called it a career. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Michael Thomas needs a running mate. And I'm looking at Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Look, six foot, 193, was a gadget player to start his career and ultimately developed into a receiver. Uh, a bona fide receiver that can run routes and get open. Uh, 984 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns in his final season at Florida. Um, he can stretch the defense vertically, can work out of the slot, can work underneath. Um, his ability to really turn nothing into something is, is quite impressive as well. And if you saw him at the Senior Bowl, he was creating separation like nobody's business. Absolutely ridiculous. Twitchy, twitchy player. I like him at the end of round number one, which then takes us to Green Bay at 29. Green Bay, this is interesting. They've got a new regime there, um, and and Matt LaFleur, you kind of have to think outside the box with this one. I think they they definitely need help at at defensive defensive end to help out Kenny Clark. So they could go Levi Amuzurike, although I I think they end up getting a tackle in round two uh, to help him out. Um, they could go linebacker. You know, they need a, an inside backer that can run around and make plays. So Nick Bolton, Jamin Davis would make sense there as well. They need another corner. Uh, even though they brought back Kevin King, they need another corner there. So Asante Samuel, uh, possibly Eric Stokes, even um, Kelvin Joseph to pair with Jair Alexander makes sense as well. But you got to get it, you know, and then even they could even think, you know, outside the box, go Creed Humphrey to replace Corey Lindsley. Although I think they're going to go center, um, you know, address that offensive line in round two, uh, possibly round three. Um, so I, I don't know. You've got Elgin Jenkins there. He has experience at the center. So you may not necessarily need to pull the trigger there. Um, 
And what's interesting is uh, they took Jordan Love with the first, you know, the 26th overall pick a season ago. Ultimately, to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. The last skill position player on offense prior to Love was Aaron Rodgers back in two, uh, 2005. So really, it's not out of the realm of possibility to see Green Bay actually take a receiver in round one, the first time since Javon Walker in 2002. And look, they need it. Devontae Adams, a superstar again, 114 receptions, 1,374 yards, 18 touchdowns. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard, decent receivers, but they actually finished behind uh, Robert Tanyan and Aaron Jones, a tight end and running back in receptions. Um, and really, he's Rodgers has lacked a legitimate weapon in the slot since Randall Cobb. You know, I mean, he needs a guy in the slot. I'm looking at Elijah Moore out of Mississippi. 5'9", 184 pounds. This is a guy that, you know, 86 catches, over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns in just eight games, um, had double-digit receptions in all but one of his games and eclipsed 100 yards in six of those eight games, um, even hit 200-yard mark three times. Boletnikoff Award finalist. This is a guy, he's fearless going over the middle as well. Soft hands, a threat to go deep on every play. Uh, ran a 4-3-5-40 at his pro day. I think he'll take some pressure off Devontae Adams keep Aaron Rodgers happy by finally getting him an explosive weapon. Bills at 30. The Bills, you know, ultimately they they did a lot in in free agency. You know, they didn't make a ton of noise, but uh, they re-signed Matt Milano, four-year, $44 million deal. That was huge. Let him pair with with, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, one of the best young linebackers there in Milano. Um, You know, Deion Dawkins is playing left tackle. He brought back uh, Daryl Williams to be a, his bookend there at right tackle. Um, you lose John Brown, so it, opposite Stephon Diggs. Thought maybe they'd go after a receiver, but then they get Emmanuel Sanders. So here's what I think they're going to do. They could go corner to pair someone up with with Tredavious White. They could go pass rush because Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are getting up in age, you know, 33 and 34 years of age respectively. But I'm looking at a running back. Because they, you know, yes, they have Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and they signed Matt Breida. But look, here's the deal: they, they finished 20th in the league, in, uh, you know, in, in the run game, and uh, neither Moss nor Breida are much of a weapon in the passing game. And this is a pass-first offense with Josh Allen at the helm. I think the Bills are going to target Travis Etienne because uh, he's more of a sure thing in both the passing game and the running game. And I think they take a page out of Kansas City's handbook where they had a crowded backfield and still drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the number 32 overall pick. 5,000 rushing yards, over 100 yard, 100 receptions in his career. Travis Etienne, look, he's 5'10", 205. Both of the 215 at his pro day, ran in the 4'4s anyway. Had he been at 205, he'd probably run sub 4'4". Um, a speed guy who just has put in the work, developed some huge legs now. Now he runs through contact. Uh, very physical runner now. Um, he, he struggles. I think the footwork isn't there, so he can't really create on his own. So I think he needs a, a stable of running backs. Let you know Zach Moss get some of those uh, hard-earned runs and, and really let Travis Etienne play in space where that's really where he's going to make his money. I think that makes a ton of sense. It's kind of a luxury pick for Buffalo because there aren't a ton of holes on that roster right now. Baltimore gets their second pick in round one from Kansas City in the trade of Orlando Brown. Kansas City gets their left tackle. Ravens get the 31st overall pick, and they can finally address that pass rush. Look, that pass rush has not been scary in Baltimore in quite some time. Ever since T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs was gone, um, they landed Yannick Ngakwe. 
Um, but he, he wasn't all that impressive um, with them in 2020. He left in free agency, as did Matt Judon. And look, Judon led the team in sacks with just six, which is the lowest total for a Ravens sack leader since Elvis Dermerville in 2015, when he also registered six sacks. You've got Tyus Bowser and Pernell McPhee coming back, leading the charge. That's not going to get it done. Aziz Ojulari, if he's on the board, that's their guy. You know, this is a guy who's tr- tremendously twitchy, uh, explosive coming off the edge, bends the corner, uses his hands really well, has this cross chop that he likes to use. Um, I-, I think that he's um, turned on that, that uh, Peach Bowl against Cincinnati, three-sack performance. It makes a ton of sense. If he's off the board, you know, I mentioned a few teams that may end up taking him. If he's off the board, keep an eye out for Jason Oway out of Penn State, although I think he should come off the board in round two. I just... You know, a guy that doesn't get a register a single sack in in uh, 2020 that concerns me big time. So I, I just I, I don't see him being the guy. But uh, everyone loves his athleticism, so maybe the Ravens think they can coach him up. Uh, I think Joe Tryon is also another guy that to keep an eye out for here. But I think it, again, if Zizo Jolari is there, and I think he will be, you take him. And then that leaves number 32 overall, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champs, Tom Brady effect in full effect. They get all 22 of their starters back. They even re-sign Antonio Brown. That's the latest signing. Um, so really, this is going to be a luxury pick. Um, you know, Creed Humphrey could potentially take over for Ryan Jensen at center. Um, William Golston is only under contract through this season. And Dominican Sue is back for one more year. So you could potentially go with a, a DN uh, like Carl, uh, Carlos uh, Boogie Basham. Um, you know, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, though, um, you know, tremendous edge rushers, JPP getting up there in age. So I think you can potentially look for, you know, another edge rusher and potentially an eventual replacement for JPP. And Jalen Phillips, look, he's 6'5", 266, the junior. Uh, a lot of people have him as their number one pass rusher. And look, I think the biggest thing that you're concerned about is um, the former top-rated recruit went to UCLA, battled concussions. And that's really the key thing is those concussions worry me. Also had a wrist injury, considered retirement, changed the scenery, moves out to the U, and uh, he showed you know, power with his hands, his ability to collapse the pocket with a nice bull rush, also able to bend coming off the edge, ended up with eight and a half sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss as well in his only year there with the Hurricanes. Ran a 4-5-6-40 his, on his pro day, 36-inch vertical leap. This is a guy that I think can be a defensive end with his hand in the dirt, or he can end up being an outside linebacker in a 34 defense. If I'm Tampa, I target Jalen Phillips. I think that makes a ton of sense. At the end of round one, again, if he's there. So that's my final mock draft uh, first round. And if you go to readyforthedraft.com, I have the first four rounds of the draft all put together there. So now we're going to go ahead and play by the numbers real quick. And really, by the numbers, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the last five drafts and we're going to go position by position and see if we can call the number of players taken in each round and who it's going to be. So we'll start with the quarterback position and you'll kind of get the hang of it from there. Uh, We had 62 quarterbacks taken in the last five drafts, 13 last year, starting with Joe Burrow. Um, You know, the average is out to about 12.4 per uh, per season. So you're looking at five quarterbacks taken in round number one with Lawrence, Wilson, Mac Jones, Field, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Um, In round two, you know, you're only looking at maybe one um, in the last four of the last five drafts, just one taken. Davis Mills could be that guy. 
Um, you, you look at round three, 1.2 is what you're averaging. I think Kyle Trask, potentially Kellen Mond sneaks in there in round number three. Uh, in round four, in three of the last five years, you've had at least two quarterbacks taken. But I'm looking at Felipe Franks. I think you know there's some athleticism, there's some upside to his game. He could potentially be a fourth-round pick. You're looking in the fifth round, 1.2. Uh, you did have uh, two quarterbacks taken in round five in 2019. Peyton Ramsey out of North, uh, Northwestern is an intriguing quarterback. Pretty good athlete. I think he could be a, a backup in the next level. Uh, round six, you're averaging about two quarterbacks there. Uh, Shane Bouchelle out of SMU. I think Ian Book could potentially sneak into round six as well. And then you look at round seven. Uh, we have four quarterbacks taken in round seven last year. Uh, you know, and if you were scoring at home, that was Cole McDonald, Ben DiNucci, uh, Tommy Stevens, and Nate Stanley. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't think there's enough quarterbacks to really garner that. Um, but Sam Ellinger out of Texas, I know somebody's going to take a flyer on him. I think he could be a really good Taysom Hill at the next level. I don't think he's much of a quarterback. Um, and then Jamie Newman, uh, really, I guess, out of Wake Forest because he never did play for Georgia. Um, at, at, in round seven, I think he should have come back to school for one more year. Um, he could potentially, you could possibly even swap out Newman for either Ramsey or um, possibly Ian Book in, in either round five or six. But uh, I think Newman ends up coming off the board in round seven. Get the hang of it. We're going to go ahead and move on to the running back position now. And 115 running backs taken in the last five drafts. This last season, we only had 16. That was the fewest since uh, 20, I'm sorry, 2010, where we also had 16 off the board. CJ Spiller, Ryan Matthews, Javid Best, Toby Gerhardt, not the best draft class there. Uh, and if you recall, last year was Edwards Alaire, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon. You know, a lot of really good, solid running backs there. Even Joshua Kelly there to the Chargers in round four. Um, you know, a lot of guys that actually got a lot of playing time and actually balled out pretty well. Um, you had 30 in 2017, so really kind of an interesting dynamic. It averages out to about 23. So as we go through this, in round number one, you're looking at an average over the last five years, 1.6. So we're going Najee Harris, Travis uh, Etienne there. Um, in round number two, we had five running backs taken in round two last year. Um, I don't think that's happening this year. There isn't near the depth in this this draft class. I only have two. It averaged out to 2.6. Um, you know, in 2019, you had just one running back taken. I'm looking at two, and I think it's the two kids out of uh, UNC. Javante Williams, Michael Carter. You can make a case that Carter may come off the board in round three. Um, when I look at round three, uh, we actually had three come off the board last year. It averages out over the last five years, two, three running backs. I'm looking at Kenneth Gainwell of, Michi uh, of Memphis, Trey Sermon out of Oklahoma, now Ohio State, uh, 331 yards uh, against Northwestern. Um, and, and I think that definitely helps. Khalil Herbert finally was able to show what he could do moving on from Kansas to Virginia Tech. Um, round number four, here's an interesting one. So you had four running backs taken in each of the last two. Um, it averages out to 4.6 thanks to 2017 where we had seven running backs come off the board in round four. I ultimately only have four guys. It averages out, like I said, 4.6. Chuba Hubbard uh, of Oklahoma State. I think Ramondre Stevenson of Oklahoma uh, I love the you know, big 
big dude with with the, the little guy feet, like Spencer Tillman said. Uh, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. I love his game because he was a bell cow for Mississippi State in 2019. 2020 only played in three games, but had 23 receptions. Really adapted well to Mike Leach's scheme. Joe that he can catch the football out of the backfield. I think he's a sleeper in this draft. And then Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. Now, this is a guy, uh, you know, 1,000-yard rusher, a guy that can run hard between the tackles, decent hands out of the backfield, has some speed to the outside. Uh, in round five, we only had one running back taken in round five in uh, two of the last three drafts. I've got two coming off the board. Uh, I think Jamar Jefferson it, it has some versatility. I think the Vikings, he would be a nice pick there to, to go with Dalvin Cook and uh, Alexander Madison. You have Chris Evans. They're at... Michigan battled some injuries, um, you know, but I think it makes some sense there in round five because there is some upside there. We had zero running backs taken in, in, in the sixth round in 2020, which is crazy, but it still averages out to four in, in, uh, in just looking at it over the last five years. Again, running back draft class is rather weak. I'm looking at uh, Kenny Nwangwu, has some speed on the outside there out of Iowa State. Deion Jackson out of Duke, big physical running back. And then Gary Brightwell out of Arizona um, offers some upside as well. Uh, and then in round seven, yeah, we only had two come off the board in round seven. I've got three here. I'd averaged out to 4.2 over the last five years, but I've got Brendan Knox out of Marshall, big physical guy. Not much in terms of, of you know that lateral move, but he's a guy that's a one cut and go type of runner. Jake Funk out of Maryland. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's got a chance. And then uh, Trey Regis out of Louisiana. He was the thunder to Elijah Mitchell's lightning. Receivers. Man, last year's draft class, we had 37. That was the most in 2003 when we also had 37. And that was Charles Rogers, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden. Um, over the last five years, 162 receivers taken, 32.4. We gotta go really fast with this because there are a lot of guys to cover. Uh, 3.4 was the average over the last five years, but look, you know, prior to the six coming off the board in round one last year, you had four, three, two, and two taken from 2016 to 2019 respectively. So, you know, that that's you know just crazy that we could potentially be looking at seven receivers taken in round taken in round one. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore. Talked about all of them. You know, it, it could absolutely happen. Um, we had at least six receivers taken in round two in each of the last three years. Had three in the last two, uh, in the two before that. I've got four guys that I've got penciled in right here. Uh, Rondale Moore, um, Amon Ross St. Brown out of SC. Nice possession receiver. Tylen Wallace was a Bolitnikoff Award finalist in 2018. Battled through some injuries. Um, showcased a, a sub 4-5-40. So I, I like Tylen Wallace. Uh, Nico Collins, better than his numbers there at Michigan. Battled some poor quarterback play. Big physical receiver. Round three, you're averaging out to about four receivers there in round three. Had four come off the board in each of the last two seasons. Uh, Deami Brown out of UNC. Vertical threat. The hands, though, concern you a little bit that's why he's not a, a second rounder Amari Rogers nice slot receiver there coming from Clemson uh, Dwayne Eskridge you know he's a, a sudden dude a guy that can get vertical a guy that's going to create separation as well and then Anthony Schwartz speed kills Anthony Schwartz running at 1007 100 meters in high school uh, explosively fast uh, round four 
Averaged out to 4.4 over the last five years. Austin Watkins out of uh, South Florida. People aren't talking about him. He's a sleeper, as is Cade Johnson out of South Dakota State, a guy, you know, slot receiver, over 1,200 yards in each of the last two years. Tamorian Terry from Florida State. I think if you pair him with uh, DK Metcalf there in Seattle to go along with uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler Lockett, you really give Russell Wilson some guys to throw to. Cornell Powell from Clemson and Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa would round out that group there in round four. Round five, you got Chai Smith, uh, Tutu Atwell, uh, Jalen Darden. So that's really a lot of the smaller receivers. You throw in uh, Demetric Felton um, and uh, uh, give me a, a big receiver. How about Seth Williams out of Auburn uh, to, to round out that group? Uh, in round six, uh, a lot of people are really high on Josh Palmer. I just I look at his numbers. He, he's not a guy that was overly productive for Tennessee. Could be a product of the system, uh, but I'm just not as high on him as a lot of people. Marquez Stevenson is going to be a, a guy that can stretch the field. Jonathan Adams ran a 4-5-140. He's a big dude. He's 6'3", 220 pounds. He's one of my sleepers. I think he could end up coming off the board a lot earlier. You know, he was the guy that really benefited you know, from a lot of the other conferences not playing week one. Because uh, he was able to showcase on national football, uh, you know, national television, what he could do, uh, and they ended up, you know, Air, uh, Arkansas State beat K State, and he was a big reason why. Um, Jacob Harris is a solid possession receiver for Iowa. Dax Milne was one of the favorite targets there for Zach Wilson at BYU, and Des Fitzpatrick, a, a big target there at Louisville. Um, I think Kawan Baker is a physical receiver coming from South Alabama. He can come off the board in round seven. Daz Newsom, uh, Sage Surratt ran that poor 40 time. I think that really hurts him. Can't separate. Wap Fillior is, is a, a slot receiver that's that's really interesting and intriguing there out of Indiana. And then I needed one more guy to throw in here, and I went with Racy McMath. He's an athlete. He's an LSU receiver. You can't go wrong with LSU receivers. Um, averaged out to about five receivers in round seven. So that's really what we ended up coming to there with this draft class. Moving on to the tight ends. So the tight ends, 68 tight ends taken in the last five drafts. Averages out to about 13.6. And when we look at it across the board, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. 1.2 tight ends didn't have any come off the board uh, this last season. Also didn't in 2016. Kyle Pitts is going to be the only tight end taken in round one. Uh, in round two, um, you did have... Uh, in 2017 and 2019, had two tight ends taken off the board. So I'm going with Pat Firemuth and Hunter Long um, out of Boston College. Uh, you look at round three, averages out to about 2.6. I'm looking at uh, Brevin Jordan and, and, uh, and Tommy Tremble uh, out of Miami and North uh, Notre Dame, respectively. You go to round four, you're looking at about three taken in each of the last, you know, um, averaging over the last uh, five drafts. Noah Gray out of Duke. Underrated athleticism. Kenny Yaboa is definitely an athletic target down the field. Struggles with uh, with his hands. Pretty good pass blocker though. Matt Bushman out of BYU. Everyone forgets about him because he was he was out. But uh, a guy that I think could be a, a guy that could be a weapon up the seam. Round number five. Tony Poljan. You know, played quarterback at one point at Central Michigan. Uh, moves over to Virginia. Looks like a legitimate tight end threat. John Bates out of Boise State. Um, wasn't really asked to do a whole lot in their in their passing attack but showed off a lot of really nice hands. Look, George Kittle was taken in round five. Um, you know, Bates doesn't have the speed that Kittle has, but you know, 
keep an eye out for him. He's one of the sleepers, I think. In round six, 1.8 is, is the average. Trey McKitty's a nice blocker there out of Florida State. Sean Byer, the same out of Iowa. They have, offer a little bit in the passing game, but you know, not, not anything to write home about. And then in round seven, 1.8 is your average. I'm looking at Zach Davidson out of Central Missouri. Might be an undrafted free agent, but I just love the athleticism. 6'4", about two, I'm sorry, 6'7", about 240 pounds. Runs like a receiver. Um, yes, he was playing against inferior competition, but I just love the athleticism. And then Luke Farrell out of Ohio State. Um, you know, a guy that can block really well, shows off some decent athleticism. Offensive tackles. 92 taken in the last five drafts, 18.4 average. And so when you break that down, you're looking at round number one. We had six come off the board last year. Um, I think the depth with this, you know, in the first three rounds, really, of, of this draft class. Uh, 3.6 is your average in the first round over the last uh, last five years. Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Christian Derisaw, Tevin Jenkins. You could potentially see any of the guys that I have off the board in round two going off the board here. Uh, you haven't had any more than three taken in round two in, in any of the last five drafts. So it's entirely possible that we could end up adding a couple more uh, tackles to that first round group. If I had to, I'd say uh, Liam Eichenberg and um, Alex Leatherwood would be the next two guys. Uh, if not, sitting there in round two with Eichenberg and Leatherwood, you have Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, and uh, Samuel Cosme out of Texas. Round three, averages out to 3.2. We had three come off the board last year, four in 2019. I've got four guys here. I got Brady Christensen of BYU, one of the more consistent offensive linemen in, in the draft. Walker Little coming back from an injury and then sat out uh, 2020 due to COVID. Spencer Brown is your physical freak. He's 6'8", 311 pounds, um, tremendously strong, tremendously athletic. Um, and then Stone Forsythe, you know, flying under the radar there at Florida. I thought he did a really good job ha- uh, holding down the blind side for Kyle Trask. In round number four, you're averaging about 2.4 there. Um, I'm looking at Deontay Smith out of East, East Carolina, jo- uh, Josh Ball out of Marshall. He's 6'7", 308, pretty easy mover. And then James Hudson, converted defensive tackle, athleticism for days. Um, pretty raw, but I think he, you know, fourth round feels about right there. Uh, you move on to round five. We had seven tackles taken in round five in 2016, only one in, in 2020. So it averages out to about 2.8. Uh, Robert Hainsey, a tackle who's probably best at guard. Uh, Landon Young out of Kentucky, another physical guy, 6'7", 322. He could play at guard. Same thing with Tommy Doyle out of Miami of Ohio. So th- these guys could potentially convert to, to you know, slide inside. Uh, but Tommy Doyle, 6'8", um, pretty physical guy, a former hockey player, if I remember correctly. And then you're looking at round six, uh, 3.4 guys coming off the board here. Um, I'm looking at a guy like uh, like Bre- uh, Brendan James out of Nebraska, uh, Alaric Jackson. Really, his stock has fallen big time there from, from Iowa. Dan Moore, uh, the left tackle there from Texas A&M, and then Jalen Moore out of Western Michigan. And then to round things out, round seven, 1.4 is your average. Drew Himmelman out of Illinois State. You know, they're, they're playing you know, in, in the spring. I think there's a chance he could end up getting drafted. He's a 6'8 uh, offensive lineman. you got to love the size there. And then Grant Hermans, 
out of Purdue. Uh, just another guy, workman-like guy. I think of a guy like Justin School got himself drafted. I think Hermans is also going to get drafted at some point in this draft. Um, you know, I, I think round seven makes a lot of sense. So you move on to the interior of the line. First, the guards. Uh, 71 guards taken. Uh, we only had nine in 2018, 18 in 2020. So it averages out to 14.2. Uh, we just have AVT, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker coming off the board in round one. Um, didn't have any guards in, in round one last year. Averages out to about one over the last five years. So it makes sense. 2.2 in round two. Uh, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State and, and Trey Smith from Tennessee. Let's put them in there. Uh, round three. You're looking at two to three. Um, you know, we had three in, in uh, three of the, the last five years. Uh, Aaron Banks, Kendrick Green, uh, Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame, Kendrick Green out of Illinois, and Ben Cleveland, the veteran there out of Georgia, played in 51 games for the Dogs. I like him in round three as well. You move on to round four. You have uh, Royce Newman um, was a right tackle there at Mississippi. I think he's going to kick inside to guard. Sedarius Hutcherson, tremendously athletic. And then David Moore out of Grambling State. I think he's a nice guard prospect. Could potentially come off the board there in round four. Average three, I gave you three there. In round five, you're averaging about 2.2. Had two come off the board in 2020. I'm looking at Jack Anderson of Texas Tech. Robert Jones of Middle Tennessee. I think that feels about right for them. Um, moving on to round six, you know, this is where it gets a little bit more complicated. Um, you know, we did have average out to about two in, in, in uh, over the last five years. Uh, Coyote Awasika out of Buffalo, uh, a left tackle for them, could kick inside the guard. Um, that's really where he's going to play. And then Jared Hawker, um, you know, the Maroon Goons, you're going to get a lot of guys drafted off of that line. I think Jared Hawker is going to get drafted there in round six. And then in round number seven, um, you know, I think Shannon Herring from BYU and Will Fries out of uh, Penn State. Uh, Fries played tackle there, but I think he's going to kick inside the guard. Uh, we had a two average there, so that really cleans things up. And the last position on offense is the pivot, the center, 8.2 average. Um, we had as many as 11 in 2018, but we had just seven in uh, three of, of the other four seasons with just nine in 2020. Um, no tackles coming off the board in round one, but I think both uh, Creed Humphrey and Quinn Miners, uh, Humphrey out of Oklahoma, Quinn Miners out of uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, the D3 school. I think those are the, your two guys coming off the board in round two. Uh, averaging at about 1.4 in round three. I got two guys for you, and that's going to be Josh Myers out of Ohio State, Landon Dickerson out of Alabama, uh, Michael Mennett out of uh, Penn State would be your only guy coming off the board in round four. Uh, we have one center taken in uh, all but 2017. I uh, had just one in, in, in four of the five drafts. Um, in, in round five, averages out to about one. Uh, with this, and I'm looking at Drew Dahlman out of Stanford, veteran there, really intelligent player. I liked what uh, Drake Jackson of Kentucky did, especially at the at the Senior Bowl. Uh, really showed up well, even though he's undersized. Um, I think he'll be the only guy coming off the board in round six, and then in round seven, you got to go with the Burlesworth uh, Trophy winner, I believe. It's Jimmy Morrissey out of uh, out of Pittsburgh. Um, not a huge draft class there at the center position but i think you're going to get eight guys drafted i think that makes a lot of sense there um moving on to the defensive side of the football uh defensive end we had 104 defensive ends taken in the last five drafts uh averages out to 20.8 uh, we actually had 24 taken in 2020 um 
most really since 2014 where we had 24. And that was the Jadavion Clowney, D4, Demarcus Lawrence, Stefan Tuitt draft class. And if you recall this year, uh, the likes of uh, Chase Young, Clavin Chason, Yitro Gross Matos, um, AJ Epinesa was in that draft class, Terrell Lewis, um, Alex Highsmith. Uh, so there, there's some guy, Alton Robinson, can't forget him, you know, one of the sack leaders. Um, so when you break things down and you look at this, 3.6 taken in round one. So I'm going with four. Um, you know, I only had two in my mock, mock draft, but if we're trying to play by the numbers, I'm looking at Quiddy Pay uh, and Jalen Phillips, but then throwing in Jason Owe and Joe Tryon. In round two, we have 2.6. I actually have four guys here. They have four drafted in round two in last year's draft. So I'm going with four again with Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest. Joseph Osai from Texas, Ronnie Perkins out of OU. Um, you know, I love his intensity and, and his his nonstop motor is infectious. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, talented but very raw um, from the U. Round three, you're averaging about 4.6 here, and I've got five guys coming off the board. Peyton Turner out of Houston's intriguing. Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones, that's the second, uh, the dynamic duo there out of Pittsburgh. Cam Sample from two. Uh, from Tulane, and then uh, Deo Dengbo um, from Vanderbilt, um, a guy that I think can be a you know he's scheme versatile, can put his hand in the dirt in a four-three, can also be a um, a five technique in a thirty-four defense. Torres Achilles getting ready for the draft, so um, a team will pro- he'll probably slide a little bit, um, which is why you know third, fourth round range makes a lot of sense. Um, we've averaged three defensive ends taken in round four over the last five years. Janarius Robinson out of Florida State is really intriguing, as is Ellerson Smith. Two guys with a lot of size. Ellerson Smith actually measures in at 6'7". Shaka Tony from Penn State was a constant pressure, uh, constant presence there for Penn State. The Nittany Lions up front. Uh, in round five, I got three guys for you. Wyatt Hubert out of K-State, another guy who plays with his hair on fire. Uh, Chauncey Golson, a heady performer, a guy that I think could end up being a five technique if he bulks up a little bit. And then Dalen Hayes out of Notre Dame. Not the most flashy, but a guy that uh, is definitely intriguing. Um, Actually, I'm looking at this, and I'm actually kicking him to um, to to the sixth round because I forgot about Ade uh, Ogundeje. So Adetokounmpo. Agandeje is a lot more athletic than him. He's 6'4", 260, 270 pounds, very physical. I think he's round five. You get uh, Dalen Hayes in round six to go with Taron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina, uh, a sack artist there for the Chanticleers. Uh, Average 1.6, didn't have any come off the board in each of the last two drafts, but had five defensive ends taken in round six in 2018. And then you get to round seven, and uh, I've got three guys penciled in here. Um, you've got uh, Victor Demukaje for, for Duke. At times looked better than Chris Rumpf get, getting after the quarterback. Joshua Kando is a big physical dude, pretty raw at, uh, at defensive end for Florida State, but uh, has a ton of length, as does William Bradley King. He transferred from Arkansas State to Baylor. Didn't make quite the impression um, that he did with the Red Wolves. But I still like the athleticism. I think a team will take a late round flyer on him. D tackle. This is an interesting one because when you look at the D tackle position, um, we had as many as uh, you know 24 taken in 2018, um, had 23 in 2016, 21 in 2017, 23 in 2019, but then only 18 this past season. 
Um, and when you look at that, you know, you had 18 in 2013 and 19 in 2014. So really kind of interesting how that all plays out with the draft class. Um, ultimately, in the last five drafts, 109 defensive tackles taken, 21.8 uh, all total. Uh, the last time we didn't have a, a defensive tackle taken in round one was 2017. I think it's going to happen again. The only guy that I thought had a chance was Christian Barmore, but because of the concerns with it, you know, just the, the effort there, um, I think he falls to round two with uh, Davion Nixon and Levi Amuzurike. Um, you're looking at 2.4 average for, for round two, um, so I think that makes some sense. Then you're looking at um, Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech, the physical freak, a guy that plays behind the line of scrimmage there for the Bulldogs. Aleem McNeil, who can get after the quarterback and a stout against the run. Bobby Brown, the third out of Texas A&M, had five and a half sacks there for the Aggies this past season. Uh, Oso Digazua could be a, you know, a five technique. I actually have him going to the Broncos, but he also played defensive tackle. Uh, and then J2 Fele out of USC. I actually have him also as a five technique going to Houston. Um, but I think those are guys that can come off the board here in round number three. You move on to round four. Right around three is, is probably what you're looking at. Uh, Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh. Um, you know, a guy who had 10 and a half sacks as a sophomore. Um, didn't play in, in 2020 and uh, ran a 5-4-40. Now he weighs in at 317 pounds. You worry about what's going on there. Uh, but 40 reps at 225 in the bench press. Tremendously strong. Um, Darius Stills, the nose tackle there out of West Virginia. Plays with a low pad level. Shoots into the backfield. Uh, I really loved his energy. And then Marvin Wilson out of Florida State. At one point, everyone was talking about him as a surefire top 10 pick. Um, the effort just isn't there. The motor runs hot and cold. The production just doesn't match the potential. I think he falls all the way to round four. Um, looking at round five, we've averaged 2.8 defensive tackles taken in round five over the last five years. I'm looking at Taquan Graham out of Texas. Not spectacular, but a guy who's going to be a solid pro. To Daryl Slayton is a big, you know, 6'4", 330 nose tackle there for Florida. Can take up a lot of space, as does Tyler Shelvin. Um, out of LSU, Did, sat out 2020. You worry about his conditioning, 346-pounder, uh, um, but a guy that eats up a lot of space. Um, round six, you're going to get another guy there from, from uh, Kentucky, Quentin Bohanna. He eats up a, a ton of space as well. I think Marlon Tuli Pelotu from USC um, really showed out well when J2 Fele uh, sat out 2020 due to COVID concerns with his family. Um, so I think Tuli Pelotu definitely helped himself. Uh, Marquis Spencer, um, it is a guy out of uh, uh, gosh, I forgot where Marquis Spencer plays. Um, but Marquis Spencer is a guy to me that um, could be a, another five technique. He, he's 6'4, 300 pounds, and uh, is pretty versatile up front. Um, a guy that can get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, so he's a he's a guy that's actually a lot of fun to watch. Um, Mississippi State. That's that's where where he went to school. I, I don't know why I was drawing a blank, but definitely a guy that uh, come off the board in round six. Uh, Jonathan Marshall. I get the two of them confused because um, they both play for teams with with red jerseys. Uh, Jonathan Marshall out of Arkansas. Uh, they're in round round number seven. Tommy Togiai from Ohio State, and then uh, Kiaris Tonga, big physical nose tackle, a guy that can make plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. You're looking at about three defensive tackles in round seven. I gave you three there, so that makes a ton of sense. You get to the linebackers. Linebackers, 171 taken over the last five years. Uh, only had 32. That's a low in 2020. Also had 20, uh, 32 in 2017. 
had as many as 37 in, uh, in 2018, averages out to 34.2. Um, the average over the last five years is 3.8, had four taken in each of the last three drafts. I'm actually looking at five. You know, I, I've got Micah Parsons, Zayvon Collins, Aziz Ojolari, JOK, Jeremiah Usu koromoa and Jamin Davis. Uh, in round two, 3.2. Um, so we're looking at Nick Bolton out of Missouri, Baron Browning, who I think is going to be a stud coming from Ohio State, um, and then Chaz Surratt. Uh, round number three, 5.2. I'm looking at Pete Werner from Ohio State, very versatile linebacker. Dylan Moses from Alabama. Um, I think he was playing out of position at Bama, so you get him at the will and allow him to just run around and make plays. Chris Rumpf has bulked up to about 244 pounds. Um, he reminds me a lot of, of Leonard Floyd. And then uh, Quincy Roche, I think there's another guy that you're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, edge rusher there for, for Miami. Uh, and, and Temple, 30 and a half sacks. Um, and then Jordan Smith out of UAB, a lot of length to his game. He's a guy to keep an eye out for. And then uh, we move on to round four, where we have 4.4. Uh, come off the board so we're looking at Derek Barnes out of Purdue a guy that was really versatile played with his hand in the dirt in, tw- in 2019 after starting his career at linebacker moves back to middle linebacker makes plays all over the field Malcolm Coons from Bu- uh, Buffalo gonna be a 34 outside linebacker can get after the quarterback coming off the edge Cam McGrone is an inside backer out of Michigan not a ton of playing time um, you know in his two years there as a registered sophomore but a guy that just you know he plays sideline to sideline uh, tremendous effort. Uh, Charles Snowden, another, you know, he's a linebacker, 6'7, 240, can get after the quarterback, makes some plays behind the line of scrimmage, and has a ton of length, 15 pass breakups, I want to say, in his career. Um, and then Hamilcar Rochette, one of the top edge rushers in the country in 2019, uh, with I think 14 sacks. In 2020, teams really keyed on, in on him, and he struggled to really make a difference, make an impact. So um, he's going to have to really get used to potentially seeing those double teams. But if he can go somewhere, be a situational pass rusher coming off the edge in a 34 defense, um, allow him to really work on playing against the run because that's really where he struggles. In round five, you're looking at 5.8. So this is really the round where a lot of linebackers come off the board. You had 11 in 20, 2019, good Lord. Um, I think Jacoby Stevens is a safety. Is he a linebacker? What is he going to be? I think ultimately he'll be that new age linebacker for a team coming out of LSU. Patrick Johnson's a pass rusher from Tulane. Um, I like Monty Rice, an inside backer coming out of Georgia. Buddy Johnson um, from Texas A&M. He was their middle linebacker. Really one of the guys that set the tone for that defense. Um, Nick Neiman you know, runs a sub 4540. Everybody's starting to take notice. Um, athletic. Look, his, his brother Ben is playing for KC. You can't rule out the Neiman brothers or really any linebacker out of Iowa, to be honest with you. Um, and then Jonathan Cooper out of Ohio State. He's a defensive end there for, for Ohio State, but really getting a lot of looks there at linebacker, allowing him to play in space a little bit. Might be a, a better pro than he was in college. Um, 5.8 linebackers taken in round number six. So you have to look at Garrett Wallow from TCU. Guy that makes plays a lot all over the field. You gotta love TCU linebackers as well. Isaiah McDuffie from Boston College. Uh, the most, I wanna say it's the most, most total, either total tackles or most solo tackles in uh, FBS this past season. Battled some injuries, which is why I'm not putting him any higher in the draft. Riley Cole's a solid uh, inside backer coming out of South Alabama. 
Um, Tony Fields, uh, well over 300 tackles in his career with both Arizona and West Virginia. Uh, Ernest Jones patrolled the interior of of that, uh, that defense for Um, South Carolina and then KJ Britt the thumper there for Auburn battled some injuries but a guy when he's healthy makes a lot of plays and then round number seven I only have five guys coming off the board here that'd be the fewest uh, well really 2019 we have four but we had eight in each of the two of the last three drafts so Darius Hodge, Adam Marshall, keep an eye on him. Jamar Watson um, out of Kentucky. Um, Kentucky had a couple of really good linebackers, and it was one of those things to where I tuned in to watch Jamar Watson and came away impressed with Jamin Davis. Go figure. Uh, Garrett uh, Stewart, uh, I'm sorry, Grant Stewart out of Houston, uh, converted safety, another new age linebacker. Max Richardson and Maximilian Roberts out of boy, uh, Boston College. I think both of those guys have a chance to get drafted. Just instinctive. I mean, that's they, they put something in the water there at Boston College with those linebackers. From Luke Keekley to, uh, to Matt Milano, these guys just are intelligent players. They're not the most athletic all, all the time, but guys that just know uh, have a nose for the football. So there's a chance that three Boston College linebackers could get drafted in this draft so I, I think Kevin Halfley there is doing something right with the Eagles and then finally the defensive backs so ultimately with with the defensive backs I use drafthistory.com uh, to really get a, a good gauge on uh, the draft history as a whole so shout out to drafthistory.com with, with everything with the positional breakdowns they use defensive backs they don't break it up between corner and safety so it's going to be a little bit hard to really get a good gauge on this but 254 uh, defensive backs taken uh, we actually had 50 taken in 2020 which was the fewest uh, during that span um, with the exception of 46 in 2018 uh, i did break it down 29 corners 21 safeties uh, so when you look at this year's draft class um, the average was six in round one we had six last year they were all corners this year i only have five uh, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, Trevin Merrig, and uh, Greg Newsom. It averages out to 8.8 in round two. We had as many as 11 come off the board in 2017 and 2019, but only seven in 2016 and 2018. Uh, go figure there. Um, I'm kind of splitting the difference here. I've got uh, Eric Stokes and uh, Tyson Campbell from, from Georgia coming off the board in, in round number two. Uh, you've got Kelvin Joseph. Uh, Asante Samuel and Ifatu Malafanu out of Syracuse. Um, Elijah Molden, uh, a nickel out of Washington. Aaron Robinson, who could play both inside and outside, um, coming out of UCF. At the safety position, you got Richie Grant out of UCF as well. Jim Thorpe Award finalist. Andre Sisco out of Syracuse, a ball hawk, as is Oregon's J- uh, Javon Holland. So um, if you were scoring at home there, that's 10. So didn't quite get to the 11 from 2019, but pretty close. Uh, so now we're going to go ahead and move to round number three. We're averaging 7.2 in round three. Uh, Jamar Johnson, look, the first, when you talk about the first Indiana safety to be drafted or to be a first round, I'm sorry, a first team all Big Ten selection since Eric Allen in uh, in 1996. I mean, that, that's saying something. Tyree Gillespie from Missouri, what he did against Kyle Pitts and Najee Harris. If you haven't seen it, put the game film on. 
um, you know, really held his own against both of those guys who are both coming off the board in round one. James Wiggins, an intelligent safety out of Cincinnati, as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, corners, I, I really like Rodarius Williams out of Oklahoma State. Uh, holds holds that one side down really well. Benjamin St. Just out of Michigan. I'm sorry, out of uh, Minnesota. 6'3 corner, moves really well for a guy his size. Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas. Look, 10 interceptions, 25 pass breakups in his career, tremendous production. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Divine Diablo out of um, Virginia Tech. Another guy who could be a, one of those new age linebackers like Jacoby Stevens. He's 6'3, 226 pounds. What I like about him is he, he is able to really battle up a lot of those big time tight ends. And so I think that's one of the things that really jumped off when I was watching him play. Um, and then you've got Christian Uphoff um, out of Illinois State, 6'3", 195. Um, you know, if you haven't gotten to see him play, another guy that really plays hard. Um, in, uh, let's see, in, in 2018, you know, a, a guy who had an interception, seven pass breakups on, on the year. Um, really a guy that started to come into his own in 2019 as well. Um, you know, can show it a little bit, returning returning kicks. Uh, he's a big physical presence there at the safety position. I like him coming off the board there um, in round number three. In round four, uh, averaged eight defensive backs. So I'm looking at Shamar Jean Charles, who led the, the, the FBS in pass breakups with 16, coming out of Appalachian State. Um, if we continue to look at corners, how about Israel Mukuwamu, uh, the 6'4 corner out of South Carolina. Kerry Vincent out of LSU, sat out 2020 but had four interceptions in 2019. Tay Gowan out of UCF, another guy who sat out, but he's a big corner, 6'2", uh, playmaker. Jason Pinnock out of Pittsburgh, tremendous athlete. And then at the safety position, Caden Stearns, your teams have to hope that he can revert back to that 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 play from his, his freshman season. Freshman All-America just hasn't lived up to that potential since then. Thompson Nazarildin out of Florida State has battled some injuries, but when healthy, has a lot of range. 6'4 safety there. Uh, Derek Forrest plays with a, a sense of urgency. Showed off really good athleticism and strength at, at his pro day. I like him in round four. And then Damar Hamlin. Didn't show up well with the 40 time. I think he ran a 4-6, but a guy that can really cover well in the slot. I like Damar Hamlin more so than a lot of people. Um, in round number five, 6.2 is your average. So we're going to go ahead and give you seven. Um, so Ambry Thomas out of Michigan, um, a, a six-foot corner, um, sat out 2020. I, I just don't like Michigan corners all that much because they're so handsy and grabby, whether it was David Long or Lavert Hill. Um, Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. Um, can make some plays on the outside, just tremendously short arms. Uh, Cameron Bynum out of uh, out of Cal, another guy who's a pretty solid, you know, solid playmaker there. And then at the safety position, USC's heat-seeking missile Talanoa Hufanga, um, Sean Davis, physical presence for Florida. Trill Williams, a versatile guy who can both play in the slot and at safety. And then our Darius Washington, you know, the undersized safety, only 5'8", but has tremendous range over the top. Getting on to round six, we've got 8.4 as our average. Uh, had as many as 11 in 2019, as few as five this past season. Um, Thomas Graham at at Oregon, tremendously productive, over 20 pass breakups in his career there. Uh, Zach McPherson is, is another ball hawk coming out of Texas Tech. 
Uh, Rashad Wild Goose, a guy that uh, you know, holds up pretty well in coverage there for, for Wisconsin. Uh, Marco Wilson, he, he's one of those guys, he bothers me a little bit with his play because it, it is inconsistent. Plus he had the mental lapse where he threw the shoe. Um, Avery Williams from, from Boise State, he's undersized, he's only 5'9", but his production as a return man, I think he gets him drafted in round six. Uh, Sean Wade, my how the mighty have fallen. Uh, Sean Wade, you know, really exposed the lack of speed. Could he play safety? Just worry about the stiffness and and that that uh, that all-out speed there. Uh, Nick McLeod, um, grad transfer from NC State to Notre Dame. He's a big physical corner. Uh, Sha- Shakur Brown uh, led the Big Ten in, in interceptions. Would have loved to seen him come back for one more year. Uh, and then Michael Carter out of Duke, athletic safety. Uh, and then finally, we get into round number seven. I've got 6.2 as the average. I've got five guys to, to come off the board for you. Diamador Lador, uh, a nickel coming out of, out of Oregon. You got Keith Taylor, uh, a 6'3 corner from Washington, moves pretty well. Shoot, we've got another Pac 12 performer. We got three Pac 12 performers, four uh, in this group. Um, I've got Nashawn Wright. He's 6'4", moves pretty well. He's, he's a little slight. He's only like 188 pounds, but moves really well there for the Beavers. You know, not a lot of wasted movement. Um, and then Brady Breeze, uh, Duke, I'm sorry, uh, the Ducks, uh, Rose Bowl MVP, sat out 2020. Keep an eye out for him. And then Tennessee's Bryce Thompson at safety. One more guy to really keep an eye out for there. Um, so those are all of my picks for all the position players, but we're going to take it one step further and take a look at, at the, the special teams. Let's take a look at the kickers. We've averaged 2.2 kickers taken in, in the draft. Um, you know, in 2017 and last year, we had three kickers taken. Um, that's 11 over the last five years. Um, you remember last year we had Justin Rohrwasser, uh, Tyler Bass, and Sam Sloman. Uh, Rohrwasser, surprising, you know, the Patriots took him in round number five. Bass in round six, and then Sloman in round seven. Um, and uh, I'm looking at Jose Borregales. You know, he played there at uh, FIU, ended up transferring to Miami. Uh, the Lou Groza Award winner. I think he makes a lot of sense there. Um, Evan McPherson out of Florida. Uh, these are guys that I think could potentially come off the board in either round five or round six. What's interesting is, is we've had at least one kicker come off the board um, in each of the last four years. Actually had two in 2019. Um, and then Keith Duncan out of Iowa. I've got him coming off the board in round seven. So there's your three kickers. Um, and when we were talking about 2019, um, there were only two kickers that came off the board in 2019, both in round five. Matt Gay out of Utah and uh, Austin Siebert, uh, or Seibert, excuse me, from uh, plays for the Browns now, or he, he did. Uh, I think he's in Washington now, but uh, came out of Oklahoma. Um, so when you look at the kickers that have been drafted, you had Roberto Aguayo in round number two. Uh, that disaster for, for the Bucks. Harrison Butker um, ultimately panned out really well for the Chiefs after the Panthers drafted him. You got Zane Gonzalez, Jake, uh, Jake Elliott, Jason Sanders, Daniel Carlson. Uh, not every one of these kickers has panned out, but you know you're going to see that happen in the draft. There, there are going to be teams looking for kickers. Um, punters. We have four punters taken in 2018. Did you realize that? Uh, we actually had two last year in, in uh, Braden Mann out of AM and then Sterling Hoffrichter out of, uh, out of Syracuse going to the Jets and the Falcons in rounds six and seven. Um, so 11 punters taken. 
And I'm looking at, at this, and we've got, you know, we actually had three punters taken in 2018. Uh, Michael Dixon, J.K. Scott, Johnny Townsend. So I'm looking at this group. I think there, there's a chance you could have three punters taken. Max Ducky of, uh, I'm sorry, Max Duffy uh, of Kentucky, Zach Von Rosenberg out of LSU, and Presley Harvin III, who was the Ray Guy Award winner out of Georgia Tech. And then I think you could possibly have another punter come off the board in round seven and Drew Chrisman out of Ohio State, a guy that shoots some moonbeams. Um, so I, I look at those guys. You could potentially have four punters come off the board um, on draft day. So got to hear my first round mock draft, my very last one, also played by the numbers, and we'll see how we did um, sometime either next week or the week after that. So uh, that really puts a wrap to my final podcast prior to the draft itself. I hope you've enjoyed the content over these last 35 episodes. The draft is here. I repeat, the draft is here. I'm so excited. I mean, I, I can't wait for this to happen. And uh, they've got it prime time on Thursday. I remember, you know, growing up, Saturday morning, I'd wake up, I'd run to the TV, and I'd watch the draft, sit there in front of the TV all day. Didn't want to do chores, didn't want to do anything else. I just wanted to watch the draft. Now we have it broken up into three days. It's actually kind of nice to where you can have that broken out. You don't have to sit in front of the TV all day. Enjoy the first round on Thursday. Friday, you get rounds two and three. And then Saturday, that's really where the scouts and uh, the personnel guys, the GMs, the presidents, the coaches make all their money is in rounds four through seven. The scouts, man, rounds four through seven. And then your undrafted free agents as well. So what we're going to do after the draft, obviously we're going to watch every every waking hour of the draft over the, the next three days. But after the draft, we're going to go ahead and, and have a podcast uh, episode 36 and probably 37. We'll probably need to do it over the course of at least two podcasts, if not more. We're going to go ahead and take a look at every draft pick made by every team. Talk about you know what moves were made, who were the movers and shakers, what picks made sense, what picks left us scratching our heads, um, which undrafted free agents are still out. You know we're still out there uh, and where they ultimately went, and start taking a look at. You know, the, the fits, the guys that really could be breakout players, you know, I mean, for the fantasy guys, uh, fantasy players, fantasy football, who are the guys to be on the lookout there? So we're going to take a look at a little bit of all of that. And uh, I'll also see if we can do a little uh, from a fan's perspective as well and, and get to talk to a few of the fans and see what they think of their team's draft. And uh, we'll, we'll do a little, dive into that a little bit as well before we finally wrap up the 2021 podcast series. Take a few months off. And then we'll be back to it again for the 2022 podcast series. So a lot to cover over the next couple of weeks before we call it a wrap. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the draft. For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the, the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Again, enjoy the draft. It's here. And until next time, I am out of here.